I put in the brand in the Amazon search bar and then I filtered it from highest to lowest, you know, from highest price to lowest price. And I started with the higher, you know, the, the things that were, that were. I love doing that. I love typing in a brand name and sorting the most expensive to the least expensive. Yeah. And inevitably in those first 20 or 30 listings, you're going to find a reason. You're going to find something. Hey, Business Building Warrior. This is Jim with Silent Sales Machine Radio. I have a real treat for you today. It's another student who's succeeding wildly with the proven Amazon course system that you hear hundreds of other guests talking about, but so many unique aspects to today's story that it's really going to be a treat, both for people who have maybe never heard this podcast before and those of you who have heard dozens or maybe hundreds of episodes. Everyone's going to enjoy this one today. I'm very confident on that. My guest today is named Shira. She lives in Israel. And as you've heard numerous times on this show, she's selling on Amazon in the US from Israel. Amazon doesn't have a presence yet in Israel, but she's very successful. Two years into her journey, she's, like I said, a proven Amazon core student. She's made some friends with other sellers from our community, and she's built an amazing business to get you up to speed with here just recently. As we're recording this episode, she's had several $100,000 months at around 18 to 22% net margin using the Amazon replans system that you hear so much about on this show. That means she's not inventing her own new products. She's selling against existing listings on Amazon, shopping online, having those orders sent to a prep partner who then sends those products into Amazon on her behalf with her stickers on it, basically. That's the system. We teach it all day, every day around here. We've had 7,000 coaching students. Thousands of people have taken the Proven Amazon course. These are the success stories that emerge from that model. So... Shira is running a business that started off the first few months around $10,000. She said it within the first, I think, four months, she was hitting $10,000 a month in sales. She's grown it steadily over that time. Here we are two years into her journey. She's hitting six figures on a very regular basis. The thing I enjoyed today, several things I really enjoyed about this episode today is the fact that Well, one, Shira is a mom of eight, soon to be nine kids. And she also runs an interior design business. Very busy. It's another example of someone who's squeezing this business into the cracks of their life where they can. Very flexible hours. That's the beauty of this model. And it's grown into something very special very quickly. And she credits one of the other things to look for today, the fact that she's made some great friends from this community, the people who listen to this podcast episode, the people hanging out in our Facebook group. She mentions the quality of the culture that's been created here. And what started the whole process of Shira and I connecting for this podcast episode was the fact that she sent me an email. She shared with me after we were done recording. She said part of the concept of her belief system, You know, she's an Orthodox Jew which I have a huge admiration for. You've heard me mention many times Rabbi Daniel Lappin is my favorite living author. That book, Business Secrets from the Bible, has been so influential for me. But she mentions that one of the the things that's very ingrained in her belief system is you've got to go back and give gratitude to someone who helps you do something 
special or big or significant in your life. You've got to go back and say, okay, who helped me get to where I am now? Thank them. So that was what was behind the email she sent me. And it was it was delightful email because she said, I'm not sure if I've got anything new or interesting to share for the group so much because I've heard some of these same stories with a lot of the same themes and elements so many times. But if you think it would be of benefit to anybody, I'd, I'd be happy to come on the podcast. That was part of our conversation. And now that I've recorded the episode that you're about to hear, oh my goodness, so many great little nuggets of inspiration and encouragement, and very practical tips and strategies. And bear with me today during this episode. For those of you who have listened to several episodes, you know I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to Hebrew principles and biblical strategies. There's so many little moments in there where I kind of take us off on a little rabbit trail and learn something new. And then we come right back and we get back into the Amazon e-commerce world very quickly. But I truly enjoyed those moments and I hope that you do as well. A little something for our international students. If you're listening to this podcast episode and you live outside the United States and you're wondering, man, can I do this? It sounds like Shira figured it out and all these other people are. What's involved there? Well, we've got a course. It's a module inside the Proven Amazon course. We recently added it into the content. So if you become a Proven Amazon course student, this is one of the modules where you should start that helps you get set up with a US-based entity and make sure that you do everything properly so that you can sell in the US hands-free. You're not shipping inventory from your home country into the US. No, you're buying products in the United States using the strategies that we teach you. You're sending them to a prep center. Like I mentioned earlier, we've got a free list of prep centers that we can show you. And they handle putting the stickers on the boxes and sending them to Amazon. You get paid. And in this case, Shira's story is exactly that. But I wanted to point out that international az.com course. We sell it separately as well. But as a proven Amazon course student, you get it completely free when you join the Proven Amazon course. So if you live outside the United States, that brand new content is tremendous. Be sure to pay attention to that. All right. I think that's a, an adequate introduction for today's guests. I could go on and on about some of the highlights and some of the things that I learned today, but I think I'll just let the show speak for itself. Hopefully, I've got you interested enough to, to listen to this one. One of the things I will point out is this is an audio-only episode, and we do that by request when ever our guests ask for it. It's a perfectly reasonable request. Uh, some people like their anonymity. Some people are more comfortable with audio only or for whatever reasons, we're happy to honor that request. We'll even leave names out of it entirely if you'd like. That wasn't the request today, of course, but we did not include this one on YouTube by the request of the guest. And if that's something that's maybe keeping you from being a success story guest on our show, please let us know. We're happy to accommodate whatever requests you have. It doesn't have to go on YouTube. We're perfectly fine to do audio only. So reach out to us. If you've got a success story, you've never been on this podcast episode, maybe you've benefited from the things that you've learned on this show or from our, our courses or coaching. We know there's a bunch of you and some people are too shy. You got to get over that shyness because as you're here, here today with Shira's story, there's a lot of inspiration built into every success story out there. Prepare to be inspired. I'd love to introduce you at this point to my new friend, Shira Svey. Let's get her on the line. So Shira, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you here. You've stayed up late for us this evening and we really appreciate that. I'm super excited to get into your story. Let's do this. Thank you. So I'm coming up on two years selling on Amazon. I started selling on Amazon right at the, like, right at the beginning of COVID. It was funny because at the t- I'm an interior designer by profession. 
so at the time I actually was a little bit, I was wondering what would happen to my interior design as everyone was going, you know, into their home. Right. And the interesting thing was that, uh, in retrospect, um, as soon as there was one lockdown, anybody who was, um, anyone who like had any kind of hesitation about building, they're like, we're building now. <laughs> so I actually ended up being very, very busy. Really? Um, yeah. Well, that's good. But yeah. you weren't sure as none of us were. Yeah. No, I, to- I totally, out. yeah. Yeah. I totally, I just didn't know where it was going to go. And, you know, so I was kind of exploring different possibilities, different, you know, opportunities. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how I sort of fell into, into Amazon, but I wasn't even really looking for Amazon specifically. I was really looking originally at how to take my business, my design business online. So I was doing a little bit of market research and I kind of (laughs) rabbit trailed, (laughs) you know, from discovering a little bit about my, you know, my intended niche, looking at different um, opportunities to make money on, which kind of led me to different opportunities to make money online. And then I kind of just found YouTube videos and then ultimately kind of fell into, I actually found a YouTube, I don't know if you're familiar with cupcake trainings. She recommends you highly. So I she kind has of, sent us thousands of people, I think. <laughs> yeah, she's very popular, right? Yeah, she's very, very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I actually found your community that way. And in addition, I I was looking, I was I had a conversation with a business consultant who was supposed to assist me in taking my business online. And I just asked her, just based on the YouTube videos, like, by the way, you know, are you familiar with this Amazon thing? She's like, I'm not. But I have a friend who knows a little bit about it. So that's when I was in touch. She put me in touch with um, my friend, Debbie. She's now my friend, Debbie. I didn't know her at the time. And Debbie taught me uh, the ins and outs of Amazon. And uh, and then we got started. That's tremendous. So correct me if I'm wrong, Debbie's in Israel as well too, right? She is. Yes. So could, we yeah. haven't mentioned that yet. I probably mentioned it in the introduction, but you're doing <laughs> all this from Israel. You're selling in the United States exclusively, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, so, when I got started, I didn't even, I didn't, I had no concept whatsoever. Like I really just had no idea that there was, that somebody who lived internationally could actually sell on Amazon US. I actually started like exploring whether or not there was an, you know, Amazon in Israel or, yeah. And, and you know, although Amazon US does ship to Israel, there is no Amazon in Israel. However, when they do come to Israel, I am going to be ready. <laughs> you will have a huge head start. <laughs> At that exactly. point, you will probably help them set up their headquarters. They may even want to hire you if you're <laughs> available. <'Cause I'm> <laughs> there, there's not a, there's not a lot of you that I know of. Although we are a very international community and we have sellers literally all over the world. I say all the time, it doesn't matter where you live; you can set up shop and sell in the United States, right? And, we, and that's hundred percent. And we've got you know people in in the middle of Russia and uh, all, everywhere. Yeah, that, I think it's always fascinating to hear from people who have navigated. Uh, and it, it's not necessarily all that complex, I don't think, but I've never had to do it. I'm here in the US. So maybe that'd be a good place to go is just let's let's spend a minute or two. How complicated was it? Did you set up a US-based entity, I'm assuming? Um, yeah, it started as a sole proprietorship. And just recently, we became an LLC. So 
I literally had no idea. <laughs> like in the beginning, it was, I was literally clueless. Like I didn't, Debbie had mentioned in passing about a prep center. I'm like, is that something that I need? <laughs> you know, which obviously became a, a critical part of my business. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally doable. And the honest truth is that, you know, a lot of people, you know, hesitate, you know, a lot of people will hesitate to even consider a prep center before they're doing a certain amount of units or have enough experience. But being forced to do that right out the gate has afforded me certain opportunities that I wouldn't, would never have considered initially. You know, I had the time to be able to, I mean, obviously it takes time to, you know, to get your systems down. And like, and that is definitely, you know, and I've definitely learned over time ways, like different ways to, you know, to speed things up and be more efficient, but like being, having the freedom and the, you know, the time to be able to focus exclusively on sourcing right at the beginning was amazing. Right. That's what you, that's the part of the business that you do is finding the profitable products. You're doing that by yourself at this point still? Um, well, as opposed to with, as opposed uh, to like using a virtual assistant or having a team, someone you've hired, um, or is it still you? No. So I do have, I, I do, um, share a VA with a couple of friends, but I also, I actually thoroughly enjoy sourcing. So I like to spend some time doing it myself as well. Gotcha. Well, let's not move too far off the topic. I'm, I'm still curious. I want to make sure we (laughs) give a thorough presentation of what it's like to set up in the U S and do the replens model from outside the U.S., all the moving parts. We don't have to go through the, you know, we could spend an hour just talking through the the little details of that. But in general, like, what did you have to do? Was any part of that hard? How long did it take to get set up? Because you're only a couple of years into this. This should be, you know, this is fairly recent stuff for you that you've had to navigate. Was it complex? (laughs) Well, it's funny that you see that because I I often like in Amazon years to dog years, like I feel like, I feel like, you know, I've been selling for two years, but like, I, I'm so not a newbie, you know what I'm saying? I've right. been, it's just been, it's been such a process and, um, and I've enjoyed every second of it. I love Amazon. It's like I, Amazon's my happy place. You know, I really, really love, I love to hear that. I love it. I really do. But were any parts of it hard? I mean, <laughs> you know, until you find the right, <laughs> until you find the right partner, you know, and your prep center really does become your partner. I mean, you're, you know, as, as an international seller, you are completely reliant on your prep center to, to do that part, you know, to do the fulfillment for you, you know, sending it from, from their warehouse into Amazon until you find that right partner. It can be a little, uh, a little rocky. <laughs> Cause there's a lot that's out of your control. Yeah. The whole, everything's out of your control. Right. And you're relying on different time schedules and yeah, a little prep center history for those who don't know. Maybe I should make sure and keep the the newer listeners up to speed. A, a prep center, as Sheer is kind of describing it as a necessity, is basically that if you're going to buy things in the U.S. online to sell to Amazon in the U.S., they've got to go somewhere. You can't just ship it straight to Amazon. You've got to have someone inspect it, count, make sure you got everything and it matches what you're about to put the listings you're going to sell it against. A prep center does that. It, so it's somewhere to ship your stuff and they send it into Amazon for you with your stickers on it, basically. That's the short version. Uh, it, the first prep center that ever existed was the Bullards, which was a, a family in our community. This is where, you know, you go back over 10 years or so ago and they were the first ones that kind of came up with the concept and they were in a mastermind with me. We were talking through the business concept. And like, there's a lot of people that could benefit from having somewhere to send the stuff besides to their house. 
right? So they, the concept was kind of born. And now there's, I don't know, probably 250 of them, I'm guessing. I don't know. I mean, you know, I've got one and we're, you know, we have our specialization and we're not good at a lot of it, but we're really good at pieces. And and there's hundreds, hundreds of them at this point, as far as I know, with everything from, you know, tax-free states to, you know, different conveniently located near your sources of supply type of setups, people in their garage. But if you're international, like you said, Sherry, you've got to use one. Yeah, so, so getting getting set up with your entity and finding a good prep center, those are kind of some of the boxes you check early on. And, and I want to mention too, our internationalaz.com course. I'll stick a link in the show notes. We're actually in the process just today as we're recording this, Shira, of including that new course in the Proven Amazon course family of content. And it was designed specifically for someone like you, Shira. You could have really used it a couple of years ago. It wasn't here, <laughs> but it basically talks you through those all the boxes you got to check as an international seller who wants to sell in the US on Amazon. And it just walks you through. So you're not surprised and you kind of get all your ducks in a row, so to speak. And I gotta too, I gotta say too, Shira, I'm I'm just this is a point of curiosity, not to throw us off too far, but you speak English incredibly well. Is that your first language or you, do you speak Hebrew at your house? I mean, I know you're in the middle of Israel. If yeah. you don't mind, I'm just curious. Sure. No, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, not far from you. Okay. <laughs> um, I was like, you sound like a neighbor. Yeah, I'm a totally incredible. <laughs> and I lived in the States until, until I got married. And my husband's also from the States. And we just decided that we wanted to raise a family in Israel. So, um, so we came right after our wedding. So we've been here for about... 20 coming up on 21 years. That's phenomenal. So, yeah. what's so our kids speak, so our, we speak, <laughs> let's put it this way. We spoke English to our children exclusively when our oldest were little, as they started going to school, you know, the, the, really the, the spoken language in our house kind of morphed into Hebrew. So generally my English is actually very much peppered with Hebrew, but that's just because you know, I'm used to talking to my kids that way, but I actually have to like, you know, sometimes like what will, I have to sort of think twice about what's going to come out of my mouth because I will very, very, you know, very easily I'll, uh, I'll say something in Hebrew that most people won't understand. So, so do you think in Hebrew or English at this point? No, I totally think in English. <laughs> my okay. kids think in Hebrew, but I totally think in English. So. The, yeah, in, uh, here in America, as you well know, you know, we have a um, Spanglish, you know, people who are like, <laughs> think in Spanish, talk in English or vice versa. And they, they kind of jumble together a little bit. Like, is there a word for that? And we'll, yeah, it's called Hebrewish. <laughs> okay. There we see. I've never heard that word. I love it. Yeah. That's and so also, cool. you know, my kids will, my kids have, um, their, um, and again, I want to say this in Hebrew, their, they, their word bank in English is pretty large, but they conjugate in Hebrew. So their, their sentences will really be a mishkababble of Hebrew and English and the, and the sentence structure will be completely off. So it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny to listen to the conversations in our house. <laughs> That's awesome. No, I'm, I'm fascinated by this and I could easily, you know, there's, there's five or six subjects that I could easily just start a whole nother podcast on and <laughs> focus just on that. One of them is like, you know, the homeschool parenting, integrating homeschooling and parenting and entrepreneurship, right? Never mind if it's Amazon or if it's interior okay. design or whatever it is, but integrating the family, that's one. But another one certainly is, and it's something that the listeners have heard me talk about all the time is these Hebrew lessons that are just so ingrained into what we as Christians call our Old Testament, you call the Torah, like 
there's business money lessons. Just it, it, the Bible says twice as much about about money and business as it does love and prayer when you start digging into it, right? So like, it's just full. And I would love to hear if, you know, maybe we can kind of get through your story and I'll give you some time to kind of set up for that. But if there's any specific lessons or like, I've kind of got an advantage in business because I've applied these concepts. I'd just love to hear, not to put you on the spot, but uh, it's a favorite topic of mine. (laughs) And and you know, one of my favorite authors, Daniel Lappin, that's where I've learned from. So maybe I've got a new friend that I can rely on to teach me some of these things. (laughs) Well, I will say that, you know, one of the tenets of, of Judaism is that we, you know, we're commanded to, to tithe, right. To it's called Mastro in Hebrew. And that sort of, you know, the building blocks of our business is, you know, we automatically set aside 10%. However, what people don't realize per se is that while a 10th is, is fine, a 20th is better. So before we started this business, my husband and I, well, really my husband, because he's really kind of the, the one who sets the tone for us um, from a religious perspective. Um, he said, this business, we're going to give a 20th. And I like my jaw dropped. And I literally like, <laughs> I was just like, um, I don't know how that's going to work. He's like, I promise you, we give a 20th and you'll see success. That is I mean, amazing. It's, and, yeah. It's, it's What's really the word cool. in Hebrew I mean, for 20th? Um, chomesh. Homesh. Which is like Hamish, which is one fifth. Hamish is a tenth. Homesh is a twentieth. Eser is ten, Masrot, and Homesh is a twentieth, which is meaning Hamish, which is a fifth. Okay. okay. I mean, 20, sorry, the twentieth as in twenty percent, a fifth of your income. Sorry. Okay. Homesh. Yes. And, and if I recall correctly, I've studied a fair amount the word for wealth overlaps pretty cleanly with the word for tithe, the 10th yeah. concept, exactly. correct? And if you want yeah. to double down on that and like, okay, God, we're really giving this to you. Then you go all in and you do the 20%. Well, it's that, interesting because, you know, we're, we're commanded, we're told that you're not allowed to test God, but this is actually the one area where you are allowed to test. Yes. So test me in this and it. see if I will not open the storehouses of heaven. Exactly. I know, I know this bit, but is that in Micah, <laughs> I think? I remember. <laughs> I don't. I don't know the actual source. Like my husband would be a good resource for that one. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's, yeah, you're absolutely allowed to test God on this. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of our belief system really does overlap between the, the Hebrew and, and the the Christian. You know, I mean, we've, we've got the same book. We just add we just add in this Christ figure. You know, in, in the fulfillment there, but the the rest of the book, the the foundation of the belief system is is identical. Mm-hmm. It, but we don't speak Hebrew, so as I'm learning this language. Uh, I'm just fascinated and specifically applying it to business. So sorry if I nerd out a little bit. I don't want to bore the listeners by any means, but I think it, you and I can connect and have a really interesting conversation at some point. And have you read any of Lappin's material by any chance? I, I have not, no. I, I would love to have you get back to me at some point, read his book, Business Secrets from the Bible, and then get back to me and just give me your perspective on it. Because sure. I, I find that stuff just fascinating and very helpful, by the way. Sometimes people ask us around here, why do you do it this way? Why do you guys do take this approach to business? And I'm like, I've done my best to apply biblical principles and these, you know, 2000 plus year old principles that have worked for this people group that have been highly successful. Hey, you know, we're, we're just applying those principles. So thanks for bearing with me on that. It's a great topic for me, but let's try to steer it back to, and all this is useful for those who are willing to pay attention. You know, I don't want to apologize for spending time on universally applicable and useful information, but 
this is an Amazon podcast. So I'm going to, it's on me to steer us back. So you've got your business set up in Israel. Yeah. What city, by the way, are you guys in? We live in Kiryat Sefer, which is um, a sub, like it's a suburb of Modi'in. Okay. Like I'm, somewhere I'm not... between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv, basically. Gotcha. In the middle there. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Two cities I'd love to see at some point. Um, but you've got set up now, you're buying products online, shopping in the US. Those products go to your prep center. Talk us through some of those early wins and loses and what were you buying and what are some of the challenges you faced here a couple of years ago as you were starting to ramp this up? I'm trying to think. It's like like I said, it feels it feels like a lifetime ago. So it's like oh, hard yeah. to like put my like head 14 back. 14 dog years ago, right? Exactly. 14 Amazon years ago. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and as you and as you know, as time goes on and you develop your strategies, like you know, you kind of look at back at your original strategies and just like, you know, I'm mean, obviously everything is a process, but um, and you have to go through from you know through step A to get to get to Z. But uh, I'll be honest, like a lot of the, like the actual details are a little bit fuzzy, but that said, um, you know, I just did, like, I, I, I followed the pack course, you know, at the beginning, I just did zero to 10,000 because that's where I was. And I, you know, learned, I learned through the, I will specifically the replans course. I learned through, you know, through there and together with Debbie, um, because she really taught me like she really gave me the basis, you know, even before I got to the replens course. Um, and I, you know, I learned how to, to source manually, to source from it, to do reverse sourcing, to do source the sourcing by stores. I really do. My, my personal preference is even, even today is manual sourcing. At a certain point, I was exposed to lead lists, which for me was a real turning point because then as opposed to, I got one of my frustrations is I, fa- I just found that, that, um, I would feel like a little bit like sort of like, you know, blind, like I would sit down to source and be like, okay, what store am I going to source today? Or, you know what I'm saying? And it just felt very random and, you know, just didn't have very much direction. And once I started using a lead list, it kind of sort of gave me a roadmap. You know, I would start with the lead list and I very, very rarely actually purchase off of a lead list. But I would, you know, just look at the at the, the leads on the list and I would just kind of use that as the springboard to then rabbit trail and manually source and, you know, and, and find my products that way. So, um, yeah, you know, that, that reminds me very much of conversations I've had recently with, you know, I, I've been one of these guys that's kind of been drug kicking and screaming into conversations <laughs> about lead lists because... I just heard from so many people who said, oh, I bought everything on the lead list and it crashed and tanked as soon right. as I got it. I'm like, that's not how you use a lead list. So I've just kind of kept it out of my vocabulary because if, if we say things on this podcast, there's going to be 15,000 Amazon sellers that are going to say, hmm, I needed to look into that. And so I almost felt irresponsible of me to even mention lead lists because like if, if I named one right now, like everyone goes and buys it and suddenly it's worthless, Right. So I love the, the way that you're saying, Shira, is you don't buy the stuff on the list, but it gives you this creative starting point. Like, oh, I've never heard of that online store before. Exactly. I've never I, considered I that brand before. That, and that's exactly, I mean, my, the, some of the, the, my best sellers, like the best products on my catalog are products that I was initially exposed to through lead lists. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, definitely there are some, you know, that I found through, you know, the classic method of, of sourcing or reverse sourcing. But like, what I like to do is I like to find a profitable 
a profitable product or, I mean, sorry, a profitable brand or a profitable store. And I like to go really, really deep. And I find in general, I mean, this is my, I don't know, people might disagree with me, but like I find in general, the way that most people, as you said, like the way that most people use lead lists is, um, you know, is really incorrectly. So like a lot of times like the lead list will say like, you know, um, recommend buy two and then they'll buy two and that's it. And I'll, and I will look at the keeper chart and be like, oh, this lead list, you know, this list can handle at least 10 to 15 units, you know? So the, so the, the listing will temporarily tank, let's say, because, you know, a lot of people jump on, but they'll quickly sell out because, you know, they've only got two, you know, two, uh, two units on there and I'm, you know, and I'm just selling away. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And as, as uh, one of our coaches and a, a friend of yours, Leah recently said, one of the things she's analyzing when she's looking, you know, how much should I buy is, can this take the hit? Some ASINs can take the hit of a bunch of sellers jumping on it. They just, right. because if it's dropping hundreds of times per month on the Keepa chart, for example, you know, like, it doesn't matter if 30 more sellers jump on this thing, it's exactly. flying off the shelf exactly. and you learn how to analyze. That's part of the replens training. So you can make really good decisions. So yeah, yeah the caution I'm always, I always have when I present a leads list concept is if you're new, this isn't the magic button you're looking for. Right. The lead list you have is to not have a the magic really, button. really, I would say intensive understanding of Keepa, not just like basic, but you have to be able to really understand and and take advantage of all of the different, you know, elements that I I usually don't even just suffice with looking at Keepa. Like I'll go, you know, go into like the into the data and into the user history and mm -hmm. like, I really want to understand. A, you know, a product and its history before I decide. And I, I happen to be very, very conservative in my buy choices. Um, I want to see, you know, even though they recommend, um, you know, a certain amount of time that you should see a relatively stable price. Like I want to see it stable for longer because I'm not interested in taking, I'm not, I'm just not interested in playing the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Beautiful. And it's going well for you. It sounds like how many ASINs do you have right now in your in your arsenal. Oh God. <laughs> I don't even know because I'm so, I'm like, I'm like completely ADD and totally, and I, and, but for real, um, and totally, um, I, I, one of, one of my biggest challenges in my business is I'm really not as organized as I should be. So, um, I have tons of things in my, in my catalog that are out of stock and I just like, can't be bothered to delete them until of course I get, you know, an IP complaint for something that's sitting there that I haven't sold for at least a year, you know, but, yeah. um, I can't even answer you. I just, I no, just it, like, I totally get that. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of put, I kind of put entrepreneurs and successful business builders into one of two categories where either people who the visual I use is, you know, we're trying to fill a bathtub. Okay. And we're putting hoses into this bathtub in different sources, different streams, different ideas. And some of us just don't like to take the time to go back and plug the little holes in the bottom of the bathtub. That's tedious. I don't, I don't have time for it. Someone else needs to do that. I just want to keep <laughs> finding more hoses. And we're excited by that <laughs> and energized by that. But it always serves us well to have someone who kind of obsesses over getting under the tub and plugging those little holes. Like, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. knowing the numbers and you know, hey, why are we doing this? It's waste of money. And, you know, uh, so as you grow, those things become necessary, but you, yeah. you're doing a tremendous job. I mean, I saw your numbers and we'll talk about them here shortly. I want to go back to one thing that you, that you said, and I think it might create questions in people's heads unless we address it. You said your favorite way to source is manual sourcing. And if I'm mm -hmm. kind of new to this, 
I know what replens are. We're not going to educate people on what Keepa is. Go listen to podcast episode 369 if you don't know what Keepa is and why it's so important to this process. But when you say manual sourcing, if I'm kind of educated on replen selling, what do you mean by that? Basically, what I'll do is I'm just trying to think of exactly what my process is because I'm not even really organized about that. It's just like a, you know, I'm like, I'm a creative soul. Like I'm not, I'm not methodical. So I have my general, you know, my general strategies, but like, you know, people have asked me like if they can, you know, if they could like, you know, watch over my shoulder as I source. And I'm like, I don't know that I have anything to teach you because I can't really like, you know, I can't really define or quantify exactly what I do. It's just, I just do it, you know? Yeah. You're, you're so, an artist throwing random colors on a big canvas kind of approach. That's exactly right? what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's very much a creative process. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I love the creative, the creative element of sourcing, you know, and like the thrill of the hunt. But if I could, I guess what I, you know, what I, usually what I'll do. And again, it depends. It depends. One day I'll start with Amazon and the other day I'll start with, with the the website. Like it just depends on whatever it is that I, you know, randomly decide to do. And it, I think also at a certain point it becomes a little bit intuitive. But like let's say like, you know, sometimes um I'll just talk about like a product that I was sourcing just before we got on the call. There was a website that took me to there was a, a lead list that took me to a particular website. Um, and it had 30, it was on sale an additional 30% off. This is a sale that actually happens on a regular basis. So in my mind, it's totally a replens um, because I can, you know, I can calculate how much, how much inventory I need between, you know, between sales. So like right. I can replenish when necessary. And I've, I, let's say I've sold this particular product of this particular brand. So I was just looking at just scanning the various products under that brand. I went over to Amazon, you know, I put in the brand in the Amazon search bar and then I filtered it from highest to lowest, you know, from high, from highest price to lowest price. And I started with the higher, you know, the, the things that were, that were. I love doing that. I love typing in a brand name and sorting the most expensive to the least expensive. Yeah. And inevitably in those first 20 or 30 listings, you're going to find a reason. You're going to find something. Yeah. You're just going to find something. Um, I took, I mean, literally, like I just had 10 minutes to sit down. And as I said, this is my happy place. This is what I, I mean, it's what I do when I should be doing other things, <laughs> more technical things. But I just sat down for 10 minutes and I found two products, you know, just it's almost inevitable. And again, like the intuitive part is that you'll kind of get, you start to get to know the brands that, you know, tend to have profitable um, listings on Amazon. Cause some of them, you know, it'll be, a, it might be a great brand that sells well, but it's just not, there's just not margins there between the, your buy costs and your, you know, and, and what you'll, what you'll take home. So that you get to know over time, but like, you know, so I knew that this was a brand that, that, you know, had potential and it just took, you know, just a quick sorting. There is a, a tool that's amazing for that. It's called DS Amazon quick view. I actually, it hasn't been working for me recently, so I'm it's a little sad, but it also allows you to, to filter like from highest BSR to lowest BSR. You can put in a certain amount of, of, you know, FBA sellers. You can, you know, you can filter out listings that Amazon's on. It's fantastic. It's really fantastic. So that it helps a lot also. Sounds like a, a, a less expensive, I'm guessing, because I hadn't actually heard of that one version of like a jungle scout or helium 10 that just gives you a, you know, crazy amounts of data that we typically say is kind of unnecessary as a replen seller, but there's certainly other tools out there that can make your research life easier. It really is kind of a, a personality thing. It, it seems like every time I have a replens guest, an Amazon successful Amazon replen seller guest on this podcast, I pick up two or three new things that I've 
never heard of or haven't heard of in a long time. There's just so many different ways to do this. And I also love that you consider it to be an artistic process because other people call it, it's boring, it's research. It's kind of like filing books at a library. It's tedious, but you see it as like almost this it's very exciting. invigorating, it. exciting. Yeah, and I kind of tend to be the same way. And I find myself, see if we have this in common, Shira, like if, when I sit down to start doing some sourcing for replans, which I don't get to do as often as I'd like, but I really enjoy it. I'll start off in one place and I'll kind of drift over and I'll forget all those other little trails and just leave them behind. And like, really? now I'm over here going deep into the woods. And and sometimes it was the best products. Like and the one 50 that tabs had. open, right? And oh my gosh. I'm telling you, I'll, I'll be like Zooming with, with Jessica and Leah and they'll be like, how many tabs can you have open at once? No wonder your computer is so slow. That's me. I like <laughs> once a month, I got to go through and just close like 800 tabs. You know, Not, that's an exaggeration, but I'm like, I get so many tabs open when I'm reaching. Like, oh, I'll come back to that later. No, I won't. <laughs> it's, but there's gold behind so many, you know, the benefit we have, regardless, Regardless of how, how tedious and methodical you are, how artistic and random and kind of free-minded you are about the process, there's gold out there. Absolutely. You know, you can wander around the field randomly digging holes and you're going to find gold, or you can be very methodical and build straight lines back and forth and you're going to find gold. I mean, it's, there's gold out there is the point. So I, I love creating those visuals. And I love that you have, you know, one of the, one of the concerns, if I can just be transparent with the listeners for a moment, one of the things that when we were talking about you coming on the podcast that you said to me was, I'm a little concerned because I don't feel like I've got anything new or different to share. Like I've heard some of the podcast episodes and I can tell you already, there's been four or five things that we've said and shared that you've, that you've brought to the table that are completely new or they haven't been said in a very, very long time. So this is a great episode. I'm truly benefiting from it. So I know the listeners are who, even the ones that listen to every show. So thank you for that. Thank you. So let's get into, I think we've, we've kind of nailed down what is manual sourcing and, you know, a lot of these different strategies are, they're hard to even categorize. If you spend some time on websites and you spend some time on Amazon, you're going to find replans, you know, learn, learn to recognize them when you see them. That's the game, right? Uh, But let's get into some of your numbers. If you don't mind, I would like to hear how it's going. You're two years in, did you have a rough start? Did you ever doubt this thing? You know, I'm like, <laughs> to borrow my friend, my friend Leah's phrase, I'm, I'm kind of obnoxiously optimistic in that way. Like I never, <laughs> you know, you, you know, of course, about, about our mastermind group. And we like, literally we were rolling afterwards. We like, we changed our group to like, we call ourselves obnoxiously optimistic people. That's the name of our group now. Oh, that's but, phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. For those who haven't connected the dots yet, if you go back and listen to what is the episode, I think 480, 41, 42, somewhere in that vicinity, Leah and Jessica, I interviewed the two of them. They're the ones doing our oasimplified.com course. Stick a link in the show notes. But Shira is in a mastermind that organically formed with them. And one of the things, Leah self-describes herself as being obnoxiously optimistic. And I loved it. And we spent some time on this segment in that. But you guys changed the name of your mastermind group to that. (laughs) (laughs) And she just came up with that off the top of her head. But I thought it was brilliant. I love it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, I was just really hungry for it. You know, I mean, it probably took me about, probably took me about four or five months even to clear $10,000 a month, but I just didn't care. Like I was just like going to keep plugging and keep, just keep pushing until, you know, until I got there. And once I got to 10,000, you know, I was kind of looking for 
ideas about how to, cause when you get to every, you know, when you get to every goal, it, you know, you, you kind of feel like, like the goal ahead is like, just feels insurmountable. You're like, okay, I like, I, okay. I, I've got 10,000 down, but like, how am I going to do 20? Like, you know, like I feel like I've pushed myself to my max, but then you get to 20 and, you know, and you're just asking yourself the same question, but then you just keep going and keep plugging and keep learning and keep implementing new ideas. So that, so when I was at about $10,000, um, I was perusing um, MSC and I just, and I don't spend a lot of time on in the community just because between my two jobs and eight children, like it's oh, just course. a lot. Yeah. Um, and we didn't even go into some of that. You know, you, you're very busy. <laughs> you mentioned your design, interior design, but eight kids, one of which is still really young. Right. And and you guys are doing some home construction right now. You told me like you're like living yeah. in two rooms, kind of like <laughs> life's busy. It's crazy. That life is, is you're squeezing this into the cracks <laughs> and, and, and trying my best to keep my head above water. That's kind of how it feels at the moment, but you know, things, it's a specific time period and it will pass and things will calm down. It's and, a season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, God willing, we're, we're hoping to, to welcome another person into this tiny apartment, you know, as we're waiting for our construction to finish in August. So I'm really, really hoping that, um, that after my, I, I don't plan on taking maternity leave from Amazon. Cause like I said, like, I just, it's just joy for me, but like, I do plan on taking a respite from interior design. And I, and I really suspect that it will probably be indefinite number one, because my babies are impossible. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're eight for eight so far. They're born and they cry for a year straight. Oh um, no. Co- was it colic? The, it, I don't know. I don't know. I've you tried just, you just, you guys just make criers, huh? Oh my God. We had one of those. And, and congratulations on number nine, by the way. I wasn't aware. That's tremendous. Yeah. So it's, it's exciting, but also terrifying. But yeah, so I, I really, I'm hoping that once, you know, things have settled down post baby and construction is over and hopefully I'll, you know, interior design will take either a backseat or I will, I'll just kind of leave it completely. Um, I'm really hoping to that things will just be a little bit easier. <laughs> But we got distracted. I was telling you something and I don't even remember where I was. Well, we were kind of starting to talk through some of the numbers, you know. Right. Oh, okay. the, the, so the I was telling you why I don't really have time to spend much time on MST. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it because, you know, part of the, one of the goals I have for this, with this podcast here is to encourage people, like, if your life is a little crazy or you're a little busy, or maybe you think I'm not smart enough or whatever that excuse is for not doing this, you're going to meet people that make you say to yourself, okay, they're doing it. I think I could too. You know, that's one of the big goals I have. So the fact that you're busy, eight kids, number nine on the way, living in two rooms, doing house construction and trying to squeeze this into the cracks of your life. That's kind of cool, right? You know, I mean, that's not what your reality and it feels a little chaotic right now, but look what you're able to do in spite of those challenges. And there's a lot of goals in the backpack at the moment, but, um, but, but, you know, just doing my best to survive. But I, but like I said, because, I thoroughly enjoy Amazon so much for me. It's like, it's just, that's where I go when I need to just kind of like check out. And Mm -hmm. it could be that, you know, that's why my business is so successful because I need to check out a lot. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so, so I was like kind of hovering at around $10,000 and, um, you know, in a rolling 30 days and I was just perusing MST and, and I have seen this, this lady posts something about, you know, I don't remember if she was at 15 or 20, whatever it was. She had just had posted a, you know, a, a success screenshot. Yeah. And I just, just, I don't, 
I don't know why, but I just decided to reach out to her and just ask her a little bit about her business. And I was curious to just glean a little bit of information. And she's, I, I thought we would chat a little bit over Facebook, but like right away, she's like, do you want to Zoom? I'm like, you know, okay, you know, um, sure. And that was Leah. And we ended up becoming very close friends. And she, I mean, right, right off the bat, she actually, she was doing, she was a coaching student under Jessica. Jessica was her, her coach. And in the Zoom session, she taught me like three or four nuggets that she'd picked up from Jessica. So, you know, we ultimately, like we ended up chatting all the time, sharing lots of strategies and approaches. And, and then we kind of, you know, started pulling different friends into our chat. And that's really how the mastermind ended up you know, forming. I don't even think that like we started calling it a mastermind until like some members of our group started doing podcasts. It was just like friends, you know, just helping yeah. each other out. Yeah. So, I, and um, I love that. So many of these organic groups have popped up just from those little conversations and inevitably after, and I know you probably won't be coming to the US in August, you guys are having a baby, but here soon we've got uh, our live event coming up with hundreds of people from this community and masterminds just organically pop up during that live event. It's theprovenconference.com if anyone has, if you haven't heard yet. But if you attend, we highly encourage, and this is one of the things I typically say on the opening day, we've done this 10 times now, is meet people, get to know them, get their contact information, contact, connect with them again after the event, form mastermind groups, because the energy, the synergy that kicks in, the little tips, the little nuggets, it's going to lift everybody's boat. It's like a rising tide, right? And you've experienced exactly that. what it is. That's exactly what it is. You know, there were people who came into our group. Also, you know, I mean, at that at the point where it became a group, I was already doing closer to like 30, 40,000. But like there were people who came in at 10 and they're they're just their their business has exploded. Like that's really what it was. Whether it's even, you know, simple things like, hey guys, don't, you know, there's a sale going on at this and this website, check it out, you know. And the energy in our group is very trusting and very giving. But I really think that that's actually kind of reflective of the energy that kind of permeates MST. That's really why I was so attracted to the group is because it's filled with people who are just fundamentally kind. Um, and I really, really love that about the group. Thank you. And do you know what the root foundation of that is? This is a little test. You should know the answer to that question. <laughs> oh gosh. I assume that it's Bible-based. <laughs> well, I would, I, I've done my best to integrate that in. And, you know, as a, as a student of those business lessons that the, that the Bible offers us, yeah, absolutely. Thinking of others before yourself is, is kind of built in that whole service mindset that in a very practical way. You know, we, we learn things like confront privately, praise publicly, right? Like that's a rule built in. I'm, I'm in a Facebook group that Facebook established, right? This is like Facebook corporate set up a group for people who run large Facebook groups, okay? I'm in this group with, I don't know, 4,000 of us, something like that. And we run large Facebook groups. And all the time, people are complaining about the negative vibe and the negative tone of their Facebook group. And I, I typically have things like, we, we don't have that. Like, how have you done that? Like, there's a book. It's like the best-selling book in all of world history, actually. Maybe you should reference it because it's really good, right? But one of the things we learned from that book is confront privately, praise publicly. We don't put people on def defense in front of tens of thousands of strangers ever. There's never a good reason to do that. So our group, we don't do that. If you've got a problem with somebody, contact them, connect them, get on the phone with them, have a conversation. Don't blast them in front of 70,000 others. 
So what you end up with is a, a pretty positive vibe where these kind of relationships can pop up. And the people who resist that kind of drift away. Yeah, yeah. Get turned off by it. You know, like I want to be able to rant about how much I hate Jeff Bezos. Well, this is the wrong place. Send an email to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Don't post it here. <laughs> so it's it's a positive place. And we're not operating in denial. We take on challenges head on and problems and solve each other's challenges and issues for sure. But it's not a place of negativity. And I love that you pointed that out. And you've said, you've called it MST a couple of times. I'll stick a link in the show notes for those who don't know. That's the acronym for our free Facebook group. We're coming up on 70,000 members. It's called My Silent Team. There's a whole nother story for another day there and why we called it that. It doesn't describe at all what we're about. But yeah, thanks for the shout out for the Facebook group. And it's a completely free resource. And, and uh, yeah, it's a very positive place. I lean and rely on it very heavily. I can take very little credit for the positive vibe. It's just good people from all over the place like you, Shira, and, and others that kind of pop in, contribute, draw from, and add energy to a neat group of people. So thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, well, it's, it's really been, you know, again, even though I'm not uh, an active member of the community, like I, I, it's clear to me that my my business is, you know, really basically completely, you know, built on the concepts that I was exposed to and the people that I've met. And it was all, it all it really all went through, you know, went through the Facebook group. That's so, the thing we all have in common. Yeah. It's, it's kind of that group. It's, it's kind of an incubator of <laughs> positive people, energetic people, successful people, obnoxiously optimistic people and and we're we're doing some big stuff and and I, I sit back in amazement all the time but the stories I've never heard I, I had no idea what your story was and here we are you know and, and uh, I'm getting to know and this energizes me <laughs> it, it motivates me to hear these stories well so if I heard you you started off you were hitting 10k within a few months started hitting 30 or forty thousand dollars a month not too long after that what about a year or so in I'm it sounds like yeah about yeah. And, and, and where are we now? Let's go ahead and jump to the you know modern, you know, how, how are things looking these days? You mean 14 years later? Um, 14 in dog years, right. <laughs> um, so I, um, in April, I hit $100,000 in sales. Congratulations um, for yeah. the month of April, which as we're recording, this is just a couple months ago. Yeah. So, and you know, I'm like, like continue to like hover around that, but um, you know, sometimes a little up, sometimes a little down. I'm, Really, really, really excited to see what happens in Q4. Um, you know, oh, just, for sure. Yeah. yeah gonna be really exciting. But so this um, is gonna be your second full Q4. Um, really like the, it's really my I would really call it my third, I guess. Like two and a half. Third third like kind of thing, yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. But I will say that like the first Q4, I was doing a lot of FBM through my prep center and yeah, never doing that again. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just too intense and too crazy. And I happens to be that I'm I'm in two prep centers right now, just because one of the prep centers doesn't like certain products and I like to sell them. So, you know, I'm kind of between two prep centers, both are great, but both of them, neither of them do FBM at all. So I'm, I'm like exclusively FBA and it's really the way to go. Like, you know, I don't think there's, I, I mean, I, you know, I know that that's perfectly legitimate business model, but for me specifically, you know, having to be reliant on a prep center to be able to fulfill my FBM orders, it's just much more than I'm interested in taking on. Yeah. We got buried in FBM as a prep and we, we just, it just about killed us. Like we literally had nowhere to walk in our, in our warehouse and create some problem. You, were you one of the clients? I think you may have been. Okay. 
So, yeah, because I remember our clients were in Israel at the time. And I know I've talked with Debbie, but I don't know if you, if you and I had ever corresponded, but it came at a very crazy time, right in the middle of COVID, my Your dad passing and our warehouse yeah, suddenly, I'm getting a phone calls saying we can't get into the building. Oh my <laughs> so it was a bit of a nightmare and I apologize for the night. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, you know, merchant fulfilling means you got to go find the product. It's in here somewhere. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> so that was yeah, a bit yeah. of a crazy, crazy season, but we got through it somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're thriving you on the other side the now. Time, at the time you had said, um, you were just like, you just could not for the life of you understand why would we even think about doing FBM? You know, like it just, you know, it's just, there obviously are some benefits when you have the opportunity to stand in the store with the, with the, you know, specifically during Q4, you yeah. know, with the item in your hand, I'm listing it and selling it even before you get to the checkout line. But like, yeah. you know, doing it remotely, you know, it just, well, it just and, and at that happen. time too, Shira, you know, it, it feels like 14 years ago, but it was only two <laughs> that uh, Amazon was basically saying, hey, world, we're only selling necessities right. through our FBA program. If you want to sell something else, ship it yourself. That's FBM, right? So, so a lot I of us started had no a option. after that. I think what? that I think that when I started, it was. Yeah, I am not like I think my Amazon journey started like when FBA was starting. It was to starting to come over. back. Yeah, yeah. But th- those restrictions yeah. hung in there quite a while, and it, it threw us for quite a loop. The the prep centers all got body slammed kind of simultaneously sure there for a while. It was it was crazy. So we've learned a lot, and we haven't <laughs> grown our prep center. I can tell you that we're, we're dealing with a handful of clients at this point. But congratulations on the six figure months. I mean, we kind of blew past that, but that's a really big deal. And we haven't said net margins yet. I know you're not much of a numbers person, but give us a three or four point range here. What are we talking net margins? <laughs> I'm bet- between 18 and 22%, depending okay. on Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Which is pretty typical at that size. Yeah. Pretty typical. Yeah. And it, it sounds... Well, as, long, as long as I, I, I took that, well, the way that my business started was I we got a COVID check from the US government at the time, um, a stimulus check. And yeah, so basically I got this like $5,400. And we decided instead of putting it into my interior design business that I would build an Amazon business or at the time it was going to be an Amazon hobby. So I had this specific amount of money and we basically said, you know what, like I wasn't giving up interior design quite yet. So like it almost became somewhat of a, I want to say a game. I mean, it wasn't a game because it very quickly turned from a hobby into a very serious deal, but what it did was, and it all started with $5,400. I got infusions here and there. Like we got another, you know, another stimulus check and then another stimulus check. And it's actually like the last stimulus check was, it was like $1,400. I think it was like $1,400 per person in, you know, per, per person in the family. And that was when it was really, really good to have 10 people in your family. Um, so every, (laughs) so every once in a while I would get an infusion into my business, but like my business was like, was in, you know, in like, I don't even use credit cards. I just use a debit card um, linked to my bank account. But what I'm trying to say is that I had the luxury of basically like taking all of my profits and just reinvesting them. And, you know, and month, you know, month after month, the profits compound and, you know, and, and just everything just kind of explodes. But, but the point is that now <laughs> that it's a very serious business and I'm starting to, you know, to phase out interior design, that, that and my husband's like, now it's time to pay us, <laughs> you know? So I do have to become a little bit more, you know, aware of the numbers, you know, sort of, 
not definitely not something that I'm good at and something that I enjoy, but I don't have a choice. So. You're dialing in a little more. Yeah. Out of necessity, because one yeah. of the questions that's popping in my head, and if we were free to talk biblical Hebrew business applications for hours on end, this is one of the questions we'd get to. And I'm kind of curious is, you know, along with your husband, you guys decided, Hey, we're going to give 20% of the net you know, we're only going to keep 80% of the net is probably my preferred way to say it. The rest is right. going, you know, staying with God. Right. So how do you determine that <laughs> without so, knowing your numbers? Exactly. Like, exactly. How are you doing the math on that? You know, I'm just curious, like, yeah, sure. is, is so, it when so, you pay yourself only? Because I'll set it up here as you think about the question, because um, I heard Dave Ramsey present on this once quite a while ago, and I found it very useful. He kind of dug into the biblical principle of tithing. And as a Christian, I tithe we keep 90% of what we're blessed with. But he made a great case, and I could go back and dig it, dig up and find this as a topic for another day, perhaps, if people are interested. But businesses aren't mandated to tithe biblically, was his standpoint. People are. So when your business prospers, that's great. That seed money is being going to the, going to the business, and it stays and it's churning. But as soon as you start pulling some of it out for your own benefit, for your family's benefit, if we pulled $10,000 out last month and went on vacation, okay, well, you're only using eight of that, Mr., because two of it belongs to God at that point, if you're tithing 20%, for example. Precisely. Um, that's, so, how, that's our approach. I'm curious yeah. what, what your approach yeah, is. Yeah, 100%. Meaning okay, we good. Tithe, we tithe the initial stimulus checks, you know, before we put it into the, the business. The first fruit. Yeah, as we're paying ourselves now, it's time to Under, it. Well, that's easier. <laughs> that's far, far easier. I know yeah. some people try to tithe on their business. I'm like, I don't know how you do that. I mean, you got to know yeah. your exact number and and it's not mandated biblically that I've ever seen. So it's good to know from an Orthodox Jewish friend that we're doing it right on this side too. We've got confirmation. That's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we talked through net profit. We've talked through some numbers. Congratulations, by the way. Beautiful model, busy mom. Do you guys do you guys homeschool or what's the schooling arrangement there? Like how many of them are in grades? Uh, no, we don't. Our kids are in school. I mean, the ones that are old enough. homeschooling because um, the girls at least only go to school till one o'clock. Okay. So yeah, at one thirty, everybody is in the, you know, I mean, we have, we have our three oldest are boys um, and they're in, in school in yeshiva. Um, gosh, I don't, I only see them on the weekends basically. And the, the oldest two are away away. Um, they're 18 and 20 and they're in like, we call it yeshiva gadola, which is, I guess you could call it like the equivalent of college, I guess, but they're not learning any secular subjects. They're just learning Talmud and they come home once a month. And the little one who's 16, he still lives at home again, equivalent of high school, but also not learning secular subjects at this point, but the, the bottom five are girls and they are, they're around from one o'clock, one <laughs> thirty by the time they get home. But so it may as well be homeschooled because, you know, I can't get very much done until, you know, before they're already it, walking in the door. It sounds like but, one of those families, we've had people suggest this to us. And I mean, there's only seven of us, you know, so we're a small family, but <laughs> you know, people, when they start hearing our daily routine dynamic of who's going where, when, and how they get there and how you do it all. And they're like, you, you guys should have cameras in your home and make it a reality show. And people would pay you're one of those families. Like I, I would pay to watch like, you know, in all the public areas of your home, like what happens? It sounds fascinating. Oh, it sounds it's amazing. Fa definitely fascinating. Definitely like ridiculous. Entertaining. Never boring. Yeah, oh my gosh. Never and girl, boring. And like the little girls whine a lot. So it's, 
Yeah, sometimes. Well, but we are blessed, huh? I mean, what, <laughs> yeah, we're very what a thankful. gift to be a parent. I mean, it's, uh, and mine are all older now. So I'm getting a little more reflective of like, man, I remember when they were like, needed me for everything and it drove me nuts. And now I'm like, does anybody need me at all for anything? <laughs> <laughs> it changes I'm fast. This, <laughs> I'm in this actually in this funny place where, you know, I, I've got a lot of big kids um, and I actually thoroughly enjoy them. And as I'm growing older, because I'm not anymore the, you know, 21 year old mother of one, you know, I'm finding that I have less and less patience is an unfair word. <laughs> um, the little kid stuff becomes more challenging as I'm, you know, I, I really, really enjoy, yeah. uh, you know, picking my big kids brains and, you know, and the little sure. ones are like still needing help getting dressed. So that's becoming more challenging. Oh, and I'm sure the young ones get away with everything now and the older ones are complaining oh about it. Right. Like, why are the rules so different for them? I remember what I did. We think about that and they do it 12 yeah. times a day. Well, also, you know, also just the reality of, um, you know, I mean, when my big ones were little, I didn't, I didn't even have an interior design business. I was working for a, a company um, over the phone. I was doing customer service and my job started, I was, it was an American company. So my job started at like 7 PM and right. I would pick up the kids from, you know, the little kids from school and we would just spend the entire day at the park. And now, you know, just as the dynamics of our family change and my careers, my, my career times too, you know, has become very, very significant part of our lives. Um, I find that I just don't, I don't really have the time to, to do those things anymore, but you know, that's, there's a give and a take and there's advantages and disadvantages and everything comes at a price. So, you know, we definitely, definitely try to have, um, quality time with each of them and family time, but it's, it's intense. <laughs> it's really well, as, I, as I'm just sitting here, imagining your life and kind of thinking <laughs> through the routine and what you've built, what you've been able to accomplish in spite of the busyness and the, the hectic and, the, and if anyone ever had excuses to just kind of wait for another season to do this, it's you, it, but you didn't. Have you ever been called a Proverbs 31 woman? Has that ever come up? Like you were like that. Do you know what I mean by that? No. It, Proverbs 31 kind of describes this wife who considers a field and buys it. And she just does what it takes. And, and you know, she's not just, uh, not that there's anything wrong with the homemaker role, but she's out doing things like buying and selling and building a business. And, and, you know, in, in Christian circles, sometimes they'll have like the Proverbs 31 Bible studies. It's like women's study. I'm like, what area do I need to stretch myself? Like you're doing that. You're, so you're the, the truth is that the, the, the way that, um, our community is built is, um, I mean, this is specifically what's called um, a Haredi community, an ultra-Orthodox community, they exist in the States more, you know, prevalent in Israel, is most of our husbands are in academia. Most of them are studying the Talmud all day long. So the women in our community are the primary breadwinners. Um, it's just out of necessity. It's other, otherwise we can't live. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're very, very proud of what we enable our husbands to be able to do, but it's definitely not, we are, none of us are ladies of leisure. <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, it's a choice and it's, it's not easy, but it's very, very fulfilling. That's so. fascinating. Uh, another, if I had that podcast that I talked about earlier, a separate topic, I would love to dive into that. Cause I've never <laughs> heard of that as much as I've studied the Hebrew culture and I study under an Orthodox rabbi to learn lessons. As a Christian, I'm learning so much, but I've never heard that. I'd love to hear more about that at some point. I'm going to have to read up on it. If you don't mind, email me that because I seriously want to read sure. up on that. That's sure. fascinating to me. So it's very common culture. Like uh, you're, the friends you have that are married, like most of them are doing what you just described. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, un- unfortunately, like the, specifically in Israel, like the earning power is somewhat limited um, just because of, you know, just the way the economy works. I mean, the cost of living is, is no That's less than in the States. Yeah. It's challenging, but, um, but people are paid peanuts here and, and live with virtually nothing. The problem, the, the issue for me is that I actually, I mean, I grew up much more modern Orthodox um, and I grew up very accustomed to, you know, being very comfortable. So, you know, it was really never an option for me in my mind to like not attempt to create a reality for us that was, I mean, it's not similar to the way that I grew up. It's definitely much more um, modest, but, you know, I, I just could never, I couldn't ever be satisfied with eating peanuts. Just couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, you've built an amazing business. I mean, it, it, it truly is something to be very proud of. And it, it sounds like, you know, your, your interior design business sounds like it's profitable. You're experienced and respected there as well. Like you've got a great combination. The two, have you found the two complement each other at all? Or are they kind of two completely separate worlds? I would really say that they're, <laughs> they're completely separate. Yeah, it <laughs> it's, sounds it's like totally, it. Totally different. Yeah. I love that my Amazon business is just me and my computer. You know, yeah. I mean, in being in the service industry, um, right. I mean, I love different parts of it, but there are parts that are incredibly draining, you know, um, especially in my, with my target market where I'm dealing with people who don't have a lot of money at all, but are sort of building out of necessity. Mm-hmm. You know, people are really like, you know, have a hard time parting with every shekel. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very, very challenging. Like it's, it just, an intense time. I mean, you can imagine construction is hard for anybody, but for people who don't really have the money to do it and are just doing it because they are exploding out of their two bedroom apartments and it needs to become four bedrooms or whatever it is, there's definitely an intensity there that I don't enjoy. But I just love that, like, you know, so also even though it's my business, I'm still working for people. And yeah. that's just what the service industry is. But I just love that my Amazon business is just all about me. Like I'm not. If I decide that, you know, I mean, I never do this because I love sourcing, but like if I decide on a particular day that I'm not interested in sourcing, like that's on me. Like that's you don't get an angry phone call the next day from someone saying, Hey, you promised me this today. Right. Exactly. Like two seconds before our phone call, I got a a call from somebody wearing wondering where her electrical plan is. I'm like, I promise you, I'll have it for you soon. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, because one of the questions you asked me, Shira, you know, we we send out a little bio request to all of our guests so I can kind of get to know who it is we're going to be talking to. And when I get a chance to read those, which I did with you, you had a question on there for me which was, you know, I kind of feel reliant on Amazon with this business. And I've, I've got this other interior design business, but what else might I do to kind of shore up the, you know, the income streams? So it, because we are as Amazon sellers, you know, it, it's not, it shouldn't be news to anybody. Like if you're going to sell on the Amazon platform, you're beholden to them. Like you are playing in their sandbox. You sign the terms of services that are 48 pages long. That you don't even know what's in there, but basically in there, it says somewhere, exactly. if we decide we don't like you one day, we can turn you <laughs> off and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. And it doesn't happen that often, but still it, it makes us all a little nervous. Like if we're a hundred percent relying on them. So as I look at someone that's in your position and, and I've been doing this 20 years, I've seen people kind of navigate these things. I'm thinking that there's got to be a way to connect these two worlds that you described as separate, not in a way that's painful, but in, you know, just brainstorming. I'm thinking, and I would give this advice to anybody. This isn't just Shira advice. This is anybody. 
you have a unique advantages based on where you live, the people you know, the connections you have, the experiences you've had, you know, the trajectory of your life. The people who would take your phone call right now, for example, if you called them and said, hey, I want to kick around a business idea. They'd be like, yeah, sure. What, what's on your mind? You know, those people, there's ways to connect what they're doing to your Amazon business, like some of the suppliers, maybe for the design. Like, have you ever gone through their catalogs? Or, you know, some of the connections, the people that supply them, you know, there's one degree of separation relationships and maybe even bigger, the opportunity that's there for all of us is helping some of these brands get onto Amazon. Now you've got multiple Amazon accounts. You're a, you're a consultant and you can get paid really well hmm. to be a consultant or to teach others what it is that you know, if you can bottle that knowledge, right? So those are the directions, you know, we live in the information age. So start creating content, start creating information, growing that circle. And this is a Hebrew concept of, you know, that, that circle of people who know, like, and trust you. I've learned a lot of those concepts from biblical principles. You, you want that circle to be growing at all times. It sounds like you've got a pretty good sized circle already. And I'm kind of like you, if there was a way just to do it and the whole world had to leave me alone, that's usually where I would <laughs> prefer to be. But I know biblically we're called to kind of get in the mix, you know, and it comes from your tradition, the Hebrew tradition, where you use your name even to describe who it is that, what you do for the rest of the world. It's part of your name, Goldstein, Silversmith, you know, like it's built in Wasserman was the guy that brought water, right? Like right. that's a Hebrew thing. No other culture came up with that. Like be proud of what you do, who you are and start to serve through the information of, of what you're capable of. If any of that triggers any ideas, but that's where I would go. If I had an hour, I'd dig into those deeper, but that's where my mind goes when I see someone like you in your position asking, you know, how do I start to kind of shore this up or expand on what I have? Does that make sense? Does that help? Yeah, I wonder like, you know, um, how exactly that would work like from a practical standpoint, just because all of my relationships are with suppliers in, you know, in Israel. You know, I think that that might be something that, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thought. I really have to kind of mull it over, like, you know, how that would, you know, how that would apply on Amazon US, at, you know, since we still don't have Amazon Israel. Um, yeah. They will, have, you will eventually, I'm guessing. But do they operate in the US as well? Some of them, do you know for a fact that they're only Israel based? Do, as far as I know, you know, but again, I, it's, it's a very interesting direction. I really have to kind of, you know, like turn the idea in my head to figure out like how that could really, you know, how that could work. It's, it's, it's interesting. I have to think about yeah. that. Yeah. If they have any US-based connections, that's one of the fields that's exploding right now in our industry. If you know how to sell on Amazon and you approach businesses, it doesn't matter where they are. The fact that you're in Israel is irrelevant to them. Right. The fact that you're succeeding is what's relevant and you can help them get on Amazon. You're selling on Amazon yourself. That's a low-hanging fruit business opportunity for any of us. It's basically become an Amazon consultant. Right. Right. And help brands get on Amazon. It may be from the circle of people you already know. That may just be a starting point, but it's a huge opportunity. We have several people in our community. That's all they do. They don't sell on Amazon themselves. They used to. They don't have to anymore. They're helping others do it. Businesses, individuals, right? Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just an Um, idea. Yeah, I definitely have to think about that. <laughs> yeah, not for right now, but just, you know, yeah, one of those yeah. things that's on the horizon of, you know, it helps you think it, because it's nice to have those thoughts like, okay, even if this all went away suddenly, what what asset do I really have? Well, then the head knowledge, the ability to help other brands and help other businesses and individuals Absolutely. get established. You know how to do it now. Well, one of the things I am... Um, 
working on right now. I mean, not actively at all because I'm really kind of very focused on OA, but this is something that I'm kind of playing around with is that there's actually an alternative healer. There, there's a somebody who's got a number of different supplements that have been incredibly um, successful at helping people with like post-COVID systems, post-COVID symptoms and various other things. So I actually just sent um, a bunch of those over to Nathan Bailey um, and hoping that like, I would, I want to have a conversation with him to see if there's a place for um, perhaps like, you know, Humminbird. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if everybody knows what Humminbird is, but yeah, yeah. I'll talk through that just a little bit. If it sounds like you got a kid there asking a question, which is perfectly fine. I wish we could turn the video cameras on. This is audio only today because we love to see the kids, but (laughs) I'll talk people through what Humminbird is while you talk to the kiddo if you need to. But yeah, you mentioned Humminbird. Thanks. We'll stick a link in the show notes. And Nathan, he's been with me for 18 plus years at this point, but we started a company to help Amazon sellers with their brand, with the the A plus content and the images, the keywords and the bullet points to set up a good listing because we do have a lot of really big, successful private label sellers in our community that we've assisted. We don't start new sellers there ever. We consider it to be irresponsible, but you're established now. You've got a $100,000 a month business. It's ready. It's time for you to start looking into private label. You mentioned some vitamins, you know, some, some supplements for post-COVID. Yeah, we can start talking about us helping you. And, and that's what Humminbird is, is our kind of our branding agency, if you will, for Amazon sellers. And that's exciting. So that's another thing that you've got kind of in the works. Yeah. That, so so I, you know. I think, I believe Nathan has the product in his hands now and we just have to have a conversation about, you know, I mean, I know nothing about, you know, marketing and, you know, that whole aspect. Yep. Like that's one of the things about replans that I love so much is I'm selling on listings that I already know so well. Yeah, you, know, you haven't had to set up any new listings. Not, no, no. Never. So, you know, I definitely would need a lot of guidance and I don't, I don't even know if these supplements are something that, you know, have a market on Amazon. I have no idea. I mean, that's something that I would like to explore going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I can tell you that the world of supplements is kind of a dog eat dog. You know, it's a tough, tough arena to play in, but if if anyone can help you out, Nathan can. (laughs) And so that's exciting as well. Well, this has been a great episode. It's been very inspirational for me. I think a lot of people are going to really benefit from it. The fact that you're living outside the US and selling actively in the US, the fact that you're a busy mom when you've done all of this and built this, two successful businesses running simultaneously. Uh, I think you're going to become a, a rock star in the community here after this drops. So you might hear from a few new fans and followers and people want your autograph virtually. Well, I'm happy to be helpful if I can. <laughs> oh, you've been more than helpful today. It's been a great episode. Did you have anything else on your mind that that you wanted to be sure to hit today or any questions or anything? I, mean, I think it's a great episode as is, but I always like to leave a chance for the guests to say anything that, you know, that we may have left out or before we wrap it up. I guess really the one thing that I, I mean, we've really touched on this already, but I really, really believe that the, that one of the driving forces of my business is this, you know, is this group of friends that I found. Um, and I, I really think that it's, it's been critical, like absolutely critical to the development of my business. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, Facebook groups really are great and a tremendous source of information. And, and if you have the time to like, you know, fall down that hole, <laughs> you know, that could, that could be your time on Facebook. Like that's amazing. But like, I really, um, these small groups, like I, I wouldn't wait to like fall into one, like track, like, you know, identify people that you enjoy in the group and, and, and make them your friends because like I said, MST is really a very, very 
kind and welcoming place. And if it's not one person, it will be another person, you know, everyone's looking to grow and support and, you know, and the more that you can do that together, like really the, the easier it is to build your business. Tremendous encouragement. I absolutely agree with every word, of course, but I'm a little biased as the founder of the group. <laughs> but <laughs> it never gets old. in the Facebook group for sure. But, <laughs> wow. but, um, well, but I, 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 also at the springboard. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen so many good things come from that group and we, we've kind of created a culture of success and it's a, a thing of, it's a thing of beauty to just sit back and watch it all unfold organically at this point. Amazing. Um, I, okay. I, I'm going to ask you a favor and we'll leave this in the recording if it goes well. And if it doesn't, or if it's awkward <laughs> or strange, then we'll cut it out. But okay. uh, do you mind? I always like to end episodes by saying, God bless all the business building warriors. Could you say that in Hebrew? Is there, is there an equivalent of the business building warriors in Hebrew? Um, a blessing for the business building warriors? Okay, how would I say it? Like, I guess you would say like, Asakim. <laughs> I guess that's how you would say it. it. Hey, I, you know, 99.9% of us have no idea, but it sounded beautiful exactly. to me. It sounded beautiful to me. Thank you for that. That was great. Thank you for that. I, definitely leaving that in with your permission. So, yeah, this has been a fun episode for me. I think, um, you know, th- this was an audio only by request, which is, which is awesome. We, we, you know, because one of the things that I want to tell folks or maybe listen to this episode today is if you have a request like, ah, can we do audio only, or, you know, protect, like I've got an employer, can we do first name only, change my name? A lot of people are uncomfortable doing a podcast episode, even though they're succeeding wildly. So yeah, we love honoring those kinds of requests and we're perfectly happy to do that. So if you're listening today, one of the things I want to make sure you realize is quite often our episodes are on YouTube as well. But if you're listening on audio, you're hearing all of them, but some of them are on YouTube as well. So you can go see the guests as well. But thank you for joining us today. Shira and I certainly had a good time. I made a new friend, even though we've known each other for a while, it sounds like, but we got to know each other a little bit today. I hope you enjoyed it as well today as a listener to this program We're committed to bringing you guest after guest after guest of people who are doing the stuff we teach around here, applying it to their life, applying it to their business and coming back and saying, hey, it works. Look, here's my story. We love that format. I hope you're enjoying it as well. So to all the listeners today, as Shira already said, God bless you, all you business building warriors. Thanks for hanging out with us. And Shira, you were a tremendous guest. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. I really had a good time. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It's staying up late. It's really late there now. And you look at you, such a trooper. I'll see my pillow before too, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we get to meet in person sometime. It'd be great to see that whole big family all in one place sometime. I'd love to see a family picture. Do you have one on Facebook? I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, I haven't posted in a very long time, but, but um, I would love to see it. that whole crew. Sounds amazing. <laughs> All right, Business Building Warriors, I'm going to sign off right here. We'll have another great episode for you again very soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.